We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to this week's People I Sort of Know podcast. I'm Chase Parm, and thanks to you guys for uh, listening, for interacting here in the past weeks. We've had Aaron Napier from HGTV Hometown. We've had Ben Ingram, the voice of the Atlanta Braves. And today we're going to talk to Jonathan Randolph, PGA Tour member for multiple seasons. Spent a lot of time on the web.com, Corn Ferry years as well. He was an All-American at Ole Miss. Played on the 2010 Palmer Cup team as well. And uh, he's wrapping up his his golf career. Jonathan's a friend of mine. He uh, he is hanging it up, moving on to the next stage of his life. So we're going to talk a little bit about his uh, his accomplishments, the things he did achieve in golf. You, you you play professional golf for 10 years, you are a success, including multiple seasons on the PGA Tour. What's next for him? What it's like just playing golf when it's not at the uh, the competitive level? And then we also get into a conversation regarding the uh, the live tour, everything going on between them and the PGA Tour today, what he expects, the kind of decisions that these players are making between those two two two, uh, two leagues, two organizations, two tours, and uh, and much more. So, Jonathan is always a great guest. Appreciate his time, and we'll jump right into it here on another edition of People I Sort of Know. Here's Ole Miss uh, All American PGA Tour golfer again, just uh, all around great guy, Jonathan Randolph. Jonathan Randolph now joining us. Just curious, you uh, had a uh, had, had a long career, Jonathan, trying to uh, I guess say transition out, play a little more just recreational golf. But hadn't exactly been something you've uh, you've done a ton of. But you and I were just chatting before we got started. Travel, you're always gone. What's it been like just to be around, just to be yeah. a normal human being a little bit yeah. here the, the, the last six months? I would have to say it's different. Um, you know, there was a stretch there where during COVID, I was home quite a bit for a little bit. Uh, you know, I had a newborn and a two-year-old. And then last year, I was gone a lot. Um, and it was it would kind of be a little off-putting when you'd come around the corner after you just got home for a day or two and your kids would stare at you like, wait a minute, who is that guy? <laughs> um, you know, they, they'd pick up on it pretty quick. But, uh, you know, it's it's a really fun grind. Um, it's been It's been a lot of fun. 2010, I was junior in college number four amateur in the world mm-hmm. first team all-american came back finished up and then straight to the hooters tour for two years you know didn't you know you never know if you're going to get out of there spieth peterson none of those guys ever got past second stage mm-hmm. um and so finally got got status and got going 
got married, life happens fast. Um, and it's, uh, it's been really fun, but I'm, I, I am looking forward to, uh, being able to actually step back and admire it, uh, for what it was that I did beat the odds and, and get there. But right now it's hard as a competitor. Cause like, that's yeah. how I got where I was is I, I wanted more. And, uh, I know that, uh, that I'm still going to have a hard time just being a super casual golfer, but still love being on the golf course. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you is how long does that take to appreciate it and know that it was a success because of everything that, like you said, that the odds, I mean, we'll get into some PGA tour, some lift stuff here soon, but just in general, making it hanging around, having that level of success in the career and going, Hey, that was, that was, that's pretty good. Yeah. It was, it was a lot easier to, to book in it. At Ole Miss, right? Because everybody gets four years. You can take a, a retro year, you can yeah, get a fifth. Sure. Um, but to sit there and say I was a first team All American, that's cool. You look on the list of names on there. Some guys that have gone on to do some really good things. There's guys that were second and third team that you know you're like, gotcha. And it's like, ah, we've won majors now. So yeah. jokes on you. But that was easier. I still, I mean, I played a tournament uh, in Kansas City earlier this summer. You know, after I kind of knew I was quote unquote hanging the the sticks up. And I had the flu right before and they told me I was in and I was like, you know what? I looked at my wife and I was like, if you want to drive, I, you know, we can go play if you want. And she was, she was like, fine. And I, that's a big step for me. I like to, I like to be behind the wheel, but I went there and cramped up. I was one under through six, hadn't hit balls in two and a half, three weeks. I cramped up on the six tee box, ended up shooting 79 that day. And it was like a very humbling thing because I felt like I was playing good, but then my body gave out on me because of the flu and then went out and shot. I, I was four under the next day, walking up to the 18th green, like 70 yards out, sitting there like this could be the last hole I ever play in professional golf. Oh, and uh, and it was just, it wasn't, there wasn't like a pressure difference or anything. It was just like, that's the only time that I've ever been like, hey, this is, you know, this is good. Because I mean, the lower round of the day that day was like six under. I mean, it was, it was a hard golf course and it was just, I still got it, but I just don't have the drive to want to, you know, leave my family at home and do all that stuff. There's just so many other ways to look back on a career and, 30 years from now and say that I've, you know, done something and I can see it. Is that the deal? I mean, I know you and I played, I guess, back in February, March, you had an elbow issue, you had yeah. some, some injury stuff going on. Is it, is it strictly about, you know, drive and status and different things? I mean, what, what is sort of the process for thinking, okay, this might be when I'm moving on. Right. Well, you know, there's, there's obviously been some, some shots fired across the bow of the PGA tour lately. And one of them that, that you will never hear anybody say is that, the people that run the corn Ferry tour have nothing but the best interest uh, in, in mind of the players who want to see everybody succeed and make it to the next level. That being said, if you just look at the scores last week, I think 27 under one, um, if you shoot 20 under par, which I finished second at that tournament one year when I locked up my card. And I mean, it was firmer, but I mean, I, I remember shooting like 19 under and finishing second. I was just like, wow, you, the difference in that number, like 19 and 26, 27 now, is guys carrying it 30 yards further. They're, they're oh, taking holes that I used to hit the sunny punch driver on, and they're hitting drivers like right on the front edge of the green instead of hitting it in the neck and like hitting it down there and having a wedge in. Um, like Wichita, there's a few holes that you're a little bit at elevation. It's 100 degrees, but it's a hybrid and an eight iron. Like, and it's a tough hole with, with water on every side, OB right. And I, last time I played it, I stepped up and everybody in my group pulled out driver and flew it about 315 over the water and chipped it onto the green. And like, and I'm not talking like, oh, it's an easy, like you just hit it over the water. There's a cart path where if you hit it, you go in the water through the fairway. Like, I mean, these dudes are just good. And uh, 
you know, they're, they're doing a lot with money to make it more livable. I, I miss getting my car about 12 spots and I washed on the year, like with expenses and everything. Um, like I'm not talking like mortgage, I'm talking like on the golf course, traveling, like staying at holiday Inns and not staying anywhere. Nice. It's just, it's just been tough. And I mean, again, it's kind of like how hard do you want to work at this? Like if I get my car back and I get going, that, that's where I was at the start of this year with sure. conditional status. And if I get it back and I get going, you know, congrats. Like now your kid's in, you know, kindergarten. He can't come out on the road. Like have fun in California by yourself for four weeks next year at the start of the season. You know, it's just that, that sounds like I'm complaining, but from somebody that's been there, I just know there's more to do in life. And I, I am grateful for the opportunities I've had. You know, you had, you, you, you mentioned being 12 shots out, 12 spots out, whatever, to, to keep the card every week, one shot, two shots makes such of a difference to, you know, the years that you had your car and your NPJ tour events throughout the year. I guess I was listening to an interview with maybe Jason Duckner, I forget what it was, was talking and he was mentioning that, sure, the best players in the world are better, but the other thing is when you get to a situation where you're not worried about the card, where you're not worried about the dollar necessarily, mm-hmm. there's so less pressure on yeah. you to just play. I mean, do you – did you sense that too? That like when you're having to grind over every shot, it is almost this negative too affecting you on the course oh, because of that. I mean, like once you know you're in the clear a little bit, you're yeah. freer to play. So this is a, a, a just just you don't you don't pull back the curtain much. I got shingles. I was so stressed out at one point. I, I walked up and I thought I'd I'd pulled a muscle, and I went in and and one of the guys in the trailer. This is when I was on the big tour, and he started. He worked on it, and then. I went to the next week and the guy was like, yeah, dude, you got like one of the worst cases shingles I've ever seen in somebody in their twenties. And uh, so, I mean, that just shows like, I, I wasn't showing any stress. It was the middle of the summer. It's like stuff like that really does add, you know, add to it. And then shoot, look at the double year, the double big season we had on corn Ferry, right. You know, mm-hmm. the, the big tour guys had no stress one year. It was like, you're definitely playing next year, no matter what. Well, we had this double season. I had a newborn March 1st of 2020 at the start of the mega season. And you had more guys that year absolutely coast because the second half of the season, the points were, you know, it was so spread out. That's right. And guys just played so stress-free. And some of those guys have absolutely eaten it this year. And that's just, I mean, that's part of the process. But there's guys that literally couldn't miss, you know, that, that played just, Every week, it seemed like if they weren't in contention, they were, you know, throwing a hissy fit. Uh, but it was because there was no pressure. And and the same goes for, like, I know friends of mine, I speak fondly of John Peterson. He's an LSU guy. But, you know, he was so stupid that at times, like, he couldn't get in his own way. It's mm-hmm. kind of the same thing, you know, um, especially when you get in high leverage situations. It, sometimes the less it's ticking up there, you know, that you understand what's going on, um, the better. But my first professional event, I missed a putt on the 10th hole. I knew it cost me 250 bucks. So <laughs> unfortunately, that was never me. <laughs> <laughs> what is the difference between the guy who has his card for 10 years and somebody who just misses it over and over? I mean, what, is, it, is it mental? Is it physical? What, what, what do you feel like it's that small margin of difference? Yeah, so uh, I was thinking about that, you know, for me – I had missed my card the first year, went back out, got it immediately, and I was back out. Yeah. And then I went to the Sanderson and shot 29 on the front, and I was right there going into the back nine. I finished third that year, but the back nine, I remember thinking I executed so good, and I just didn't make the putts. And it's just funny. I was thinking, you know, if I would have won, I'm a lifetime member of the tour. I've got all this, you know, stuff like Chad Ramey's got now. It's a fantastic opportunity. Um, but 
you know, it comes down to, you know, that I got beat by Fletcher Johnson in the state am there because he caught a jumper trying to lay up on a par five and hit it to like a foot and uh, on number 11 and then made a hole in one a couple holes later. It's just like sometimes stuff happens to people in short runs that is just, you know, out of your control. You can't help it. But those are the kind of things that for some guys can keep them out there for an extra year or two and then they can get hot for one week or two weeks through there. And, you know, there's some guys that have never really had uh, you don't think about Chris Stroud. You don't think about some names like that. Like those dudes just thump it. They just constantly are around that 120 number. Sometimes they're 50 and you wouldn't know it. It doesn't matter. But it's like it. the weeks where you play good, you got to play good. And sometimes it's like, hey, I hit it so far offline. I hit it in the walking path, you know, where the where you know, a foot out of the fairway, you're dead. You know, so, I mean, it sometimes comes down to just that small of a margin. I mean, Max Homa almost was at Q school and they had to birdie like five holes coming in on the back nine at Portland just to make it to finals. Right. And he did it and he buried the last hole, got through. And the next year he won at Quahala. And so he went from playing with me as a rookie and making like $30,000 in a whole year on the PGA tour to like not playing great on corn Ferry, having to clutch up just to get top 75. And then next thing you know, he's a winner within six months on the PGA tour and his, you know, meteoric rise after that. But that's that's kind of the slim margins. It's crazy. Why are these guys hitting it so much farther? Why are they better? <laughs> well, uh, you know, they long time ago they got rid of square grooves because they were like, hey, out of the rough, we want it to be more penalizing. And then you know, uh, along comes a couple of guys and they start hitting it further and say, hey, it doesn't matter if you got more loft, you can still stop it on the green. And then it just comes down to like you just look at the speed training that's out there now. Like not to get golf nerdy about it but there's junior golfers doing speed sticks and doing like you know doing all these workouts and all these things to get your hips stronger and like just learn how to move you know your body i mean my swing instructor vj trollio he he bought force plate which is like over forty thousand dollars just to teach me how to use my feet you know it's like back in the day they had grainy cameras and people just tried to figure stuff out now it's so scientific that like I didn't understand how poorly I was using my feet. I mean, I gained 10 yards in the air, 12 yards when I want it, just because I didn't realize where the weight was going on my feet and how I was using forces in the ground. Like those things are just, you don't have to be that freak athlete to be able to do it. Now uh, you can, you can earn it and learn it. And, um, and then just hope your body holds up. Do you enjoy playing golf at this point? I do. I, uh, I did junior golf camp last week okay. in Madison and those kids were really great. They were actually some of the nicest kids, which was even more reason for me to realize I probably didn't, I don't need to be a junior golf coach because that's, that's a lot to handle. Um, but no, I mean, we went out and played after the round at Whisper Lake and I shot seven under in two days. Like we played nine holes and nine holes and I just had fun. Like Randy Watkins told me one of the things, like when I was thinking about what I would do, mm-hmm. he said, look, on the golf course, you know where things are supposed to be. You know how people are supposed to act. And I mean, it's true. I've been at the golf course since I was 12. You know, it's it's just, it's a humbling game. It teaches you so much about yourself. And I don't know, I, it's one of those deals where I'm more, you know, I know what it takes like at a U.S. Open when the greens are super firm, fast, stuff's tucked. But like, I mean, I grew up at playing Nick Nar was the first place I played in, you know, Pearl Municipal. And then I played the Refuge and Patrick <laughs> Farms and in Castlewoods. And like those places are why I love golf. And it's just cool. It got me where I got it. But at the same time, I mean, look, it doesn't matter if the greens are rolling eight and bouncy. It's, 
just like when I was a kid playing in the woods. I mean, you put a hole in the ground, you got to find a way to get it in there. You know, it's just, I don't know, there's something fun about it. Do you pick a goal out if you're playing recreational golf? Like you got there to go, hey, I want to try to hit a number today. Are you really just enjoying the people you're with and the shots? I mean, how, how do you turn it off? I, well, I, mean, I haven't been able to do that yet. Yeah. So, I mean. Because when you when, when you got your car and you're playing around yeah. with idiots like us, you're still working on something. Yeah. You're well, still. And, and, you know, I I know exactly what I have to do to hit it good right now. So I, I did ask what the course record was after I buried the first hole the other day. Um, and then the next hole, it, you know, we were talking about driver or five iron to lay up and it was like, oh, I'm going to hit driver. I'm trying to win. And then I pulled it and it was like instantly my brain went to, all right, well, you got to finish, you know, you got to finish your back. So keep the club in front of you and then just don't let it drop under and you're not going to get stuck. And, and, and like, it's just, I don't know if that'll ever shut off, but I got a four-year-old that you know wants to play and i literally say hey you see the top of that tree hit it over that tree I, i'm not i don't want to tell him mechanically anything it's just uh you know go back to being a kid and just hey hit it up hit it down hit you know there's geese at the aqua range all the time at the refuge that was fun you know you go out there and try to scare the geese up off the water you know hitting different shots it's just it golf is fun i don't know it's it's a nostalgic thing that i was fortunate enough to uh to get to play and, and pay the bills do you have your health for the most part? I mean, elbow, shoulder, everything yeah, pretty good? Yeah, my, my elbow's getting there. Um, it's definitely not 100%, but, you know, very fortunate. I mean, I've, I'm walking a lot of miles. My knees are in good shape. I mean, the biggest thing for me is I've, for not being a super fit guy that, that works out every day, I'm super limber and everything, and that's what all those – there's not a single guy on the PGA Tour that's going to be out there long, like – I've seen more guys in their underwear, like walking through the locker room because they they're lining up to get massaged and mm -hmm. stuff. Right. Like you, you wouldn't think that Tony Fino has to get worked on every day before he plays Ricky Fowler. Like those guys just look like athletes. Right. But I mean, they're doing all their stuff and then they're getting guys to come in and massage. And like there's dudes that travel with their massage trailer or tables and they like I just you get to know them because they're in the locker room every single day. You know, they just travel with us, and they're those guys, personal guys that are they're in there massaging them and getting them loose. As you said, I don't want to go overly nerd heavy here, but I guess whenever the PGA was showing up, you pay, you put up a picture on Twitter of your scorecard from Southern Hills from the yeah the the, the, the AM. Do they all look relatively the same for your yeah. yardage book stuff? Like, I mean, do you have the exact thing that you would put in every single one? I mean, is it, are, they, are they a lot different between player to player on what markings are and whatnot? Yeah. There, there are, and there's some, there's school, not yardage book, not school. Yeah, 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 I knew, yeah, yardage books are getting more standardized. Okay. Uh, the tour finally did it because you would have one book where a guy would have different depths and greens, and it's like, well, which one are the rules officials using to mark these pins? Because that actually matters when, you know, we need to know how far it is to hit it over a bunker or something. Um, but like some guys, vintage guys, George Lucas used to do a bunch of them, and he would put, you know, JSC, UFU, you know, so like layup numbers in case you hit it in really bad spots. Um, some guys hide little things, but for the most part, they're getting pretty uh, standardized. And I mean, a lot of these have pictures in them. You know, the guys come out like right before the tournament and they take pictures so you can see grandstands and they'll have like, you know, lines showing how far it is through the fairway along with the left post or the grand, you know, this oh. and that. Like it's, it's actually really helpful. Um, not at all what it used to be. So they, they, Sounds like old man, but they got it good. Like how, like how solid these books are. Not necessarily going nostalgia on you yet, but two or three things that stick out from your career that off the top of your head. Mm. That, that I mean, obviously you played internationally in Northern Ireland. I mean, yeah. like you had you watched JT 
up close for yeah. his thing? I mean, what, what what sticks out to you? Yeah, I mean, so it's funny, like, looking back, golf, you get beat so much in golf. I mean, you never win. Um, and the, We win is very relative. Right, it? and yeah. so my one of my good buddies, the first tournament I ever played, it's really important. You get your status. You got eight starts is what I had, and you have to make a couple of cuts and reshuffle in. And I was coming out of there having, you know, won a few times on the mini tours. Like I knew I had, you know, I had what it took, but you got to go prove it. And my buddy Clint Vandever came down and caddied for me in Bogota, Colombia. And we finished 14th that first week in the satisfaction of knowing I was like, that's, I mean, that right there is what's going to make me play until I'm a hundred, you know, like now I'm in, you can't kick me out. Um, so like the satisfaction, even though I finished like 14th that week was, I mean, you got to fly all the way home from a foreign country as a kid, making the biggest check you've made, you know, and I, I mean, it was super satisfying, but just kind of awe inspiring. I rookie year, I had the lead playing with Spieth on Saturday in Dallas mm-hmm. and I was the one making putts and it was really fun. And I birded 16 to, and I knew like, it was cool. Like, um, you know, it, uh, what, or, uh, the Konica Minolta guy who's always out there. Um, I can't remember his name. It's terrible. He's soft-spoken, super nice guy, but he comes off the first tee and he's like, Hey, somebody in the truck says hotty toddy, you know, he's like, yeah, our production, you know, manager or whatever yeah. is, is a big old miss guy. And I was like, Oh, cool. That, you know, that's nice. And, and I kind of like, that kind of put me at ease walking off the first tee but then I get the lead of the PGA Tour event on Saturday, and I did not get ahead of myself. And I just made a bad swing on 18 and hit it in the water. Um, and then I hit it on the green and had a putt. And I was like, I'm about to make this thing and be in the final group with the lead, blah, blah, and a three-putt at like a complete putt. And, uh, <laughs> and Hunter Mayhan shook my hand. It's like, just Saturday, bud. You got this. And like those moments are like, things that stick with me more than, than others. Cause I never was fortunate enough to get that win. I, mean, I got a ton of seconds and stuff like that. And the 29 on the front at Sanderson was fun just because I mean, hometown event yeah, sure. Um, and, and all that came with that. But no, it was just the satisfaction of being out there and knowing those guys were my peers. And, you know, I, I showed up playing with JT that day and I thought I was going to beat him. So there's just, I don't know there. I haven't let myself really step back and, and think about it, but, it's uh, yeah, there's some fun times. Just can't, I don't know, can't come up with any. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Did you feed off the larger galleries and oh. instances like that? Is that, yeah. is that? is that a positive it's instead so of a negative? Positive. Yeah, so even coming uh, at uh, Annandale, you know, when I first played in front of big crowds, like all of a sudden I realized I locked it up and I started playing way better. Um, and then in Wilmington, North Carolina, we played the Wells Fargo one year because they were getting quite all already. That's right. And there was, I mean, there was 10 people deep on the first tee. Like certain times of the year, people wear vibrant colors and stuff. And it just, there's something it does to you as a competitor. Like when you start seeing all those people, it just like, it's like getting in the zone. And I was in the zone there from Monday until Sunday. And I finished eighth, like had a, had an Eagle hybrid, you know, chip type thing to have it to be clubhouse leader on Sunday. And uh, yeah, those are the things that I will never get an adrenaline rush like that again and have that satisfaction. And then just funny stuff like that. We Patrick Reed had won the Masters that year. And I, you know, I'm not that fat, but you know, Patrick HDTV is not kind to anybody. And I signed like six or seven Masters flags for him because I just couldn't like I felt bad. He wasn't even like he he missed the cut, I think. He wasn't even there. I told him the next week, I was like, hey man. Like people keep freaking asking me to sign master's flags and like, I don't want to break these little kids hearts. So I'm, it's like, I'm You're signing, signing his name. Yeah. He's like, dude, please keep doing it. I've got so many flags. So it's just stupid stuff like that. You'll look back on and laugh. And... <laughs> you're an all American. Like you said, I mean, you come out, you're ranked very high up in amateur ratings. I mean, if it's 20, if the today's environment is in 2011, you're the kind of guy that Leo talks to right. um, at, at that point when they are, they, I think they signed the number two amateur in the world. They've done some different things yeah. as well as the, the top. Um, and I've got several different questions on this, but just in general, is this a viable thing that is here long-term? I mean, it's hard to say that it's sustainable, like in its current form. Okay. Um, I've heard that, you know, kind of the, the long-term goal is that some of the pressure will be taken off of them monetarily if they get the, you know, the F1 formula going and you have Callaway saying, all right, we're going to have this team and we're going to sponsor a lot of money here or there. Um, and Titus, and, you know, you could have a, a come-up club from India. You know, you never know. Um, but that's kind of like one of their, I think, big picture type deals that might make it last. But it's... Uh, I mean, it's very fascinating what they're doing because they just keep they they post a couple guys that you would expect, and then maybe one of them almost out of spite, and then the rest like there's a few guys that just I mean they they've got to have they've got to have a you know the thought that they could play the tour again later, but if not, then 
they know that they're going to make enough money in the short run to, to sustain them for the rest of their lives, and they will. Do you – how do you put yourself in the head of, say, the number two amateur, a guy yeah. who's young, who is making this jump, where, I mean, you experienced it firsthand for a long time. It is a grind from yeah. Corn Ferry to PGA Tour to make that type of money when that's thrown at you so early. I mean, yeah. what do you – how do you sort of reconcile what's going through those guys' minds on what decision to make there with that kind of money laying around? Yeah, you know, the money club deals started getting a little bit better in the last, I don't know, five years. There were a few guys that got big club deals, even just with no status coming out of Oregon, a couple other places. But for the most part, it's I played two years on the mini tours and then got my corn fairy card. And the best I ever did on course, I made a little over a million dollars in a year in like 2017. And that if you average that out over a career based, you know, if you add the mini tours and like whatever I made, I mean, if somebody offers you four years and you can make, you know, $10 million, assuming you don't play good, you're not going to do that in any other line of work at that age. And you're not going to, you're not going to have a chance to set yourself up for the future, no matter what. I mean, unless you are literally one of like four humans that have walked the face of the planet, it seems like, like, guys my age like JT Tony Finau uh, a few guys that were just world beaters John Rahm like those guys clearly did it and those those are the kind of guys where it's hard it's like I would you know if I'm a world beater and I know I'm about to go and I've got people that you know that are in my corner that I'm about to I want to win majors I want to go play the PGA Tour then I'll probably go do it if I'm a really good player and they throw that kind of money at me and it's like you kind of have to think you're that good of a player but deep down you've played with a lot of those people and you know, like, man, I got to putt really good to beat that guy or, you know, yeah, sure. this dude hits it 40 yards past me in the air. Um, that's going to be tough. Uh, then my advice would be, you know, just talk to an agent, you know, your agent, talk to people that are around you that, that honestly have your best interest in mind and just know the potential ramifications of it. But realistically it's, the best way to set yourself up for the rest of your life. Cause I mean, I'm a great example where I had a good, you know, I turned pro in 2012 and it's 2022 and I didn't even make it through technically this whole season. I mean, there's very few guys, you know, that are going to make a long, long, long career out of it. And as long as people understand that like sports watching is a thing, like what they're doing, they're not making them stand up there and say like, wow, I really love Saudi Arabia. Like this is, these people are very misunderstood. Like, as long as you're just playing sports and you can kind of stick to sports, then you don't want to know where the rest of the money is. There's money everywhere that they're touching. Like, yeah, sure. It's one of those things where if, if you're making a decision like that, then I, I, you know, that's how I would say go about it. You I mean, you know, these people, so I don't know what they are off course on course, but just from a PR standpoint, you know, they signed Reed, they signed Shambo, they signed, you know, I mean, Dustin's never been the most PR savvy person in the world as far as entertaining or things along those lines. Does it take them signing people who have more positive PR for people to kind of step up and go, wow, I can't just root against this or this is this jerk or whatnot? I mean, is that sort of the next step is if they get a, you know, Cam Smith or you know, there's yeah. rumors about that mm-hmm. or like, you know, I, I know it's probably not Colin Morcow, but somebody along those lines yeah. where it's, 
the more energetic, positive. They've yeah. got a, they've got a fan support system that's not playing villain. I mean, is sure. that where you go and go? Well, maybe there is something to this. Yeah, I mean, right now they're the Yankees, right? They're buying yeah, they're yeah, buying yeah. the numbers. They want like they post the thing and they're like, who you got in this field? And they have top players at three M versus top players and you know the Knicks live in New York, yeah, whatever. Sure. Um, that's I mean that's the only way they're relevant right now. You know, they're not gonna they're probably not going after. I mean, they're not gonna get the nice young guys, right? You know, the, 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 the tour better hope they don't. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of those, like, it's a delicate thing where, you know, I, I was talking to somebody about, it, I was like, if they just poach like the top, like if you start losing the top am in every class, like John Rahm's a freak, he was always going to be good. You know, like there's JT turns pro early, right? Like you start, you, you can make new characters in this game, but like Jordan Spieth could get, he's already had the yips and putting pretty much like he could putt bad. That doesn't hit it. Awesome. Like if he's gone, that's one of their big faces gone. Like if you start nipping away at that, it could be really bad, you know, for the tour. But yeah, I don't, I don't know how many good guys they're going to get. Um, but I would just be dumbfounded at some of the guys that I know that have enough money to fly their families private and do whatever. Like Tony Fee now, like if he went there, I'd be absolutely shocked because. I, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that chases money and boy, he's had that dog. On, like he wants to win on the PGA tour so bad. He's just like a human ATM, but he can't win that much. But Charles out already has been a human ATM. Yes. He's not going to win. Like he's to a point now where he's just setting himself up going forward. And his Ryder Cup president chances are over too. So yeah, like the guys exactly. who are going, Hey, I still want to have the legacies yeah. of this Taylor Gooch that though. Wow. Like Taylor Gooch, I was absolutely rattled. Okay. Like he's a great guy. Like, I mean, you've seen him on Twitter recently. Like he can say some, you know, you can say some like, yeah, dumb stuff, uh, but it's, you know, none of it's harmful, but it's just like, man, he was in a position to absolutely kill it and be, you know, one of those guys uh, for a while. And he decided that, you know, there, there's certain people like I never understood why, you know, Jim Gallagher Jr. didn't want to play golf. He kept winning. Like he was on Ryder Cup. Same with Ken Brown. Like I played golf with Tom when he was in Ole Miss and I got to know Ken and they're like, yeah. And I mean, look, it's a beating. It is like as, as fun as it is to say, Hey, I played Pebble beach. Like, you know, what you didn't see is like, we were in Hawaii the week before, which I got freaking sick because of volcano ash. I got almost <laughs> nuclear blown up by North Korea and then flew red eye back to California. <laughs> and like, you know, you get on this whole trip over there and you, it's, it's fun, but like it, it really, it really is fun if you can have a little bit more limited schedule and not, you know, I don't know. It's I, that, as I say it, it doesn't sound like it's that bad, but it really, it really can be a beating. And some of those guys have done it for a few years and said, Hey, I'd be really happy at 34 years old if I could retire and go do whatever. If you're really, really, really good, the legacy stuff has yeah. to matter more of, Hey, I'm chasing majors and Ryder yeah. cups and president's cups and all those lines. But yeah, anything shop that you have, I need money like that. Uh, that yeah. sets you up, whatever. So yeah. I guess, do you anticipate them and I know you're guessing, but I'm curious, you know more about it than I do. Are they, do you think they end up moving to a 72 hole event? They increase the number of people that are there, do a lot of things to try to get world golf ranking points, right. a lot of things they need to do. And then also the PGA tour has the Q rating positive here. People want the tour to succeed They're The, the automatic yeah. answer is to support the tour mentally and emotionally for fans. But how will this alter what the tour needs right. to do to handle this? Well, you know, the tour has a, you know, they, they have a great track record of uh, giving back to communities. You know, sure. they do a ton of charity and just 
you know, they have a lot of responsibilities to their shareholders, or not to shareholders, to their uh, sponsors, right? You know, to people that we signed on at this amount because we were supposed to have a primo slot for this long and, you know, whatever. Um, you know, they're going to feel the squeeze if they lose any more, any more, uh, you know, super high leverage players because, I mean, Will Zaltorch is young, but I mean, he can't play every week. You know, you can't have Tony playing every week. Like, eventually, you know, because they had, had done the thing where you have to play a new tournament every five years, you know, to have, you know, right. and I was always like, well, when's Tiger going to play Sanderson? And there was a loophole somehow where like that, you know, you know, wasn't in, in, in the cards there, but yeah, I mean, the two, it's, I don't know. There's, there's a lot, there's a lot, you know, of legacy that's being, you know, left on the table. And there's a lot of guys that I know that are just great. Abe answer is a great human being. He, uh, you know, he's sponsored by Exxon. I don't think they have a single problem with him playing on a tour, you know, that's sponsored by this country. Um, but I mean, he's done his president's cup thing. He's done, he's had a lot of fun with that. And I know that he would just be super happy, you know, drinking Fecha Azul tequila and sitting on his ranch in San Antonio. And, uh, and I don't blame him for it because, you know, there's, there's a lot to be said about life after golf, but as a young player, you know, he doesn't have the Ryder Cup on the line and stuff like that. You know, he's he's just got President's Cup, and I, I don't know. It's 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 definitely a tough personal decision. You have to think about that stuff. Does the PGA Tour have to make it easier to give these guys chances for full cards, more money, easier? I mean, does that does their format for young players have to change to give yeah. them a quicker way on the tour? Yeah, and I mean that kept me out of three tournaments this summer, right? So PGA Tour, you, I was second alternate and within the top five at a few events uh, over the course of the summer and the PGA tour, you guys were there. Um, and that Preston Cootie guy, I think it's Preston, but Parker Cootie, uh-huh. that dude already won. Like, I mean, these guys are really, really good. I remember we were in Wichita of all places, some cow kid like got in a playoff and I was like, who is this guy? You know? And it was Colin Morcall. He's a freak. <laughs> like, he's really good. I was like, man, this course is no joke. Like some, like I'd never even heard of this guy, but you know, the really good ones are going to make it. They're going to, they're going to break through. And it's just, it used to be, you had to buy, buy your time. You had to go do it. You had to go through the ranks and do this and that. And it's just not going to be like that. You got to kind of speed it up. I mean, they're adding five or 10, I think five or 10 PJ tour cards at Q school in a couple of years. Right. Um, and I'm always exempt to second stage for life. So that's in the back of my head. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to have to add some access just to keep, you can't have, the temptation of a John, the next John Rom that comes up, you know, you need to, you need to say, Hey man, you ever heard of Cromwell, Connecticut? You ever been to Moline, Illinois? We got you covered. You can make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Evansville is That's right here. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're going to, they're going to figure it out. They're scrambling and they were already starting to change some stuff up. And this just for the competition is good for everybody. It's going to speed up stuff getting getting fixed it needs to get fixed um and then you know who knows maybe we'll they'll even play golf courses where you don't have to shoot 27 under to to win yeah we're we're recording this july 23rd at 509 so in case yeah. something happens we did not we were not aware yeah. of it prior to it being posted but do you anticipate them getting world golf ranking points for their events i i have a hard time thinking they're not going to okay you know i think that's part of the strategic deal that they're doing trying to get all these paying this much for all these guys that are high up in the world golf rankings because you can't ignore it. I mean, 
if those dudes just showed up and played a big money game, you know, in Windmere, Florida, you think they might actually get some world ranking points. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Because the hero gets world ranking yeah, points. What, yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, yeah. if you get enough, you know, guys gathered, yeah, I don't know what it says about that in the Bible, but I figure it should. <laughs> it should be world ranking points. Um, but, yeah, it's it's definitely – I mean, there's it's so intriguing. There's so many moving parts. I mean, shoot, a couple months ago – before the European tour, you know, they were like, well, they could still form an you know, an alliance with, you know, another one of these guys. And, you know, then the tour could say that they're, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll side with them. And then you can just blackball this whole live thing. And that didn't happen. So your club deal compatriot, what's Phil Mickelson's deal going to be? This <laughs> thing moves forward? He, uh, he's going to wear more leather. Um, <laughs> he's going to look, I don't think that Phil would shy away from almost having the villain like a uh, appearance to himself, you know, wearing the, wearing the shades and the black everywhere, but that dude, yeah, obviously like has gambling issues. Like it's well-documented, but he's a savvy son of a gun. I mean, his coffee stuff and, you know, just all the stuff he's done over the years. I mean, he's going to get his money. He's going to get paid. And I mean, the Champions Tour, I heard that they, like, just to try to open the door for him and Tiger, like, they were starting to pump so much money into that Champions Tour, which was really annoying as I was just scraping it around, you know, on the corn fair. They were like, oh, yeah, did you hear we were doubling our retirement? You know, you get double retirement, and then, you know, it's going to be a million for a winner within two years because we really want Phil Sticker. And then it was just like, yeah, Tiger's got a billion, and he's his body's falling apart. He's probably not going to play much Champions Tour golf, even in a cart. Um and Phil's like, no, man, I'm going to go get that real money over over there. It's interesting because he spent so much time cultivating that positive image yeah. and being that guy. Whether he is or isn't, that's not really the point. But you do you think he is – maybe it's the only option because of gambling and whatnot, but content playing that more villain, yeah. weird, negative Look, role. All you need to know about him is, like, the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills, he, uh, like, he just didn't play it because he wanted to go to his kid's high school graduation. You know, like he's not he's not an absolute, you know, terrible human being. But at the same time, I mean, it's hard. You've seen the stuff on Twitter. I mean, imagine somebody coming and offering you 40 times what you made, you know, guaranteed money in your job. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty good gig. And uh, if you're used to that lifestyle, then it guarantees it for the rest of your life. What's the uh, what's the most overrated course on tour and the most underrated course on tour? Well, I would have to say that, and this is obviously, I mean, this no disrespect, the PGA Tour is amazing. None of the courses are bad, but Greensboro was the most annoyed I've ever been at a golf course just because there was just so much up and like guys that play good there are usually pretty good, but man. I mean, they got funnels and bowls for some pins on par threes where guys make hole ones. It's cool. But then, like, there's so many jumpy lies and just squirrely holes and greens with weird tears. Like, I don't know. Uh, it never really never really did it for me. But Quill Hollow was always awesome. I love okay. Quill Hollow. So it's ironic those are pretty close together. But, you know, Quill Hollow is fantastic. It's so much fun. You need a course with some tough par threes, a drivable par four, some par fives that, like, you always feel like you can make eagle, but you got no shot. You're not making an eagle unless you're going to be the guy winning that week. And then uh, some history. I mean, like the green mob oh. coming in. Like it's just, I don't know. Those are the those are the things. Like I wish I would have documented more and had like more pictures. It's like I got stupid cell phone pictures and stuff, and I probably should have been like having my wife come out and take pictures of stuff. But yeah, you mentioned that hard part threes all the time. Like what what 
I know it's a dumb question in a way, but what makes a good golf course? Yeah. I, you know, from a player's perspective, it usually comes out that way um, in a tournament. Like I'm still focused on Quahal. You got like a four iron into a par four to start, right? Like, I mean, if you don't hit the fairway, you're in big trouble. And then the next hole, if you hit the fairway, you got a short iron in. And then you just, you just kind of, that, that's the, the, the pace setter. It's like, Hey, did you hit it straight? You know, the, the, the little chart, you follow it. No, you're screwed. You know, <laughs> did you hit it? Good. Yes. Good luck with that four iron. Did you hit the four iron? Good. No, you're screwed. You know, it's like, so good play gets rewarded. I love that. Okay. Um, which is funny. Cause I, my first mini tour event, I won at 25 under, um, you know, I've always played good at the BMW corn Ferry event in, in South Carolina. And that's a boat race. Like, I play good on some of those courses, but the most satisfying to play good on are, you know, the hard ones. It's hard par five, but if you hit the fairway, you got a hybrid or a four iron into a par five now. And it's like, you know, this is, this is where you can actually make up shots on the field, you know, instead of having to hit, you know, driver three wood wedge or something like that, or having to everybody hitting driver and having five iron into a par five, which just happens a lot on the corn ferry. Because one of those deals, too, where what makes what you're talking about versus just, hey, if you were building a golf course yeah. as a country club or municipal, that's a whole different thing of what yeah. that needs to look like. Yeah. And that's got to be where everybody look, can play. I start I start out every program, I, you know, if, you know, hey, do you play? And, and half of the time on Mondays, like, it's a workouting and guys are like, ah, I play once or twice a year. And it's like, all right, well you, you know, do you, do you like it? Oh yeah. I love it. And I was like, you're, you're two steps ahead of everybody else. I hear that's going to get mad. Like if you can play golf and have fun with it, then yeah, you're yeah. legitimately doing yourself a favor. Cause it's so freaking hard, you know, <laughs> like it really is the ball's just sitting there. But I mean, it, if you get down into the, you know, into the minutia of it, like it is so hard and you know, it's, you gotta, you gotta learn how to, how to fail and, and have fun with it. And then, you know, when you're good, just be really good. Know that you can win. How often do you want a club in your hand these days? I have I I picked up a club to clean out my big green egg the other day and to scoop the ashes out. That's the last time I picked up a club. Um, I I you know if somebody said they want to play golf, I'm gonna play golf. Yeah. Um, it's it's such a thing where I I woke up at night. My biggest swing miss that I had that knocked me off the tour is my left knee would pop because my brain was wired to think that that was exploding into the ball and I was hitting it harder, but really all it did was kind of barely kick me back and shut the face down. I hit a snap hook. Okay. And when I say like, I don't exaggerate things. Like I used to wake up in the night, my left knee would pop and I would wake up in bed. Like, I don't know what happened. Sometimes it would be like, as I was falling asleep, my left knee would just pop and I'd wake up and it's just like, I'm glad that that's kind of over uh, that, that, that phase. I haven't had that happen to me in probably three months, um, but still love the game just just learn to have fun with it and uh i mean i haven't shot over par in like three or four months i've only been on the course three times so that's a good that's a good uh start i appreciate it bud yeah. as always the headlines remind us daily the world is a dangerous place the elites in charge say everything's fine stop noticing but you know better and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos my Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com